This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting in our very early episodes where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. In this week's episode, we are very excited because we are all together in real life in the studio. Myself, Craig and Blake, we've never been in real life together, so this is exciting stuff. We also have a guest with us in the Equity Mate studio. We have got Ben Simpson from the Collective Shift. Welcome, Benno. How are you going? I feel privileged to be among your presence. We've done so many episodes, we've never all been together <laughs> in real life, so this is cool. This is our first episode all together. Yeah. I think so, yeah. In, in, in real life. How, yeah. how long has the podcast been, been up for? 83 episodes. 83, this was, is 84. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, so it's always been one or two of us or someone not together and this is the first time, so yeah. Magic's happening today, ladies and gentlemen. It is, so I can feel it. It's going to be a good episode. Top signal. Top signal. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom top. <laughs> also, today is 300 days until the Bitcoin halving. Ooh. So, yeah. Woohoo! Exciting. exciting. It is very exciting. Let's talk about the halving a little bit later on. But the reason that we are all together in this room and the reason that Blake and I are in Sydney is that it is blockchain week here in Australia at the moment. Lots of different um, satellite events going on and Blake was a speaker yesterday at Day One's festivities, which happened at the ASX building. Uh, it was a great day actually and Blake was, like I said, a speaker on one of the panels. Uh, so let's Let's go to that. Let's talk about yesterday's festivities, where we were, and Benno, you couldn't make it. You're a very busy man, couldn't get there, and uh, Mr. Tradfire Craig couldn't make it either. So, look, who wants to kick off? Like, you want to talk yeah. about what you thought of the day? Yeah, first of all, give um, Blockchain Australia a big shout out. Done an incredible job organising a week-long f- festivities, starting out in uh, here in Sydney. They've got five days. Um, there's events happening in Melbourne, Brisbane, uh, Sydney and and digitally. So yeah, and um, there was really a broad section of topics that were covered. Lots of talk about regulation. Lots of talk about payments. Um, you know, we've seen recent problems with payments um, and crypto platforms here in Australia, as well as you know digital currency exchanges. What the digital currency exchanges are going to look like in the future, and uh, what everyone's working towards. And of course, we heard a little bit from some researchers as well. So really, a broad brush of topics that we covered. Uh, and yeah, I certainly learned some things. 
things. How about you, Tress? Yeah, definitely. A big shout out to, like you said, everyone that organised that in particular. Um, Amy, who did an amazing job pulling yesterday together. But again, I um, enjoyed the day. I think there was a start off with the banks. We, mm. we heard about- What was the vibe with that? Boom. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. We had Combank, we had NAB and, and ANZ up there and yeah. really talking about, you know, oh, we're seeing a lot of turbulence and, and with your know, Binance losing their their, mm. ra- their payment rails recently and Combank coming out saying that they're going to put restrictions, monthly restrictions. I think we made a mistake in last week's episode where we said it'd be $10,000 per person per transaction, but that's actually incorrect. It's $10,000 per person per month. Which is um, to um, uh, of payments into um, particular cryptocurrency exchanges, which you know is really um, you know stifles people's ability to enter the market um, when when they're wanting to. Was the narrative still around the scams? Is that why yeah, they very much so? Yeah. So the three of them sat at that panel, and it was the first panel of the day. Um, and Sophie Gilda from CBA, she was a really amazing speaker. Actually, she did a lot of the talking. Um, it's, it did seem really scripted, to be honest. And uh, they made all their special points, but, um, you know, it, they were basically saying that, that this um, measure that was in place was because of the impact of scams on the Australian public and they spoke a lot about, you know, these mums and dads that were falling for these scams. They were, you know, getting 600 calls a month for these people and it was $2 billion uh, in 2021 and that went up to $3 billion in 2022 on these scams that were being siphoned and this money was being siphoned out through crypto and they basically was saying that we needed more collaboration, not just through the banks and the exchanges, but through everyone as a whole. And they talked about where they started in, you know, social media and, you know, and they were talking, calling for more regulation. But what I thought was really interesting was a couple of panels later on, the gentleman from um, Chain Analysis, uh, he said, he wasn't actually directing it at the bank or disputing what they said, but just he, you know, slipped into conversation that their analysis was quite a different figure. Than what the on-chain data that chain analysis had around scams. Yeah, um, not, now not we quite al- that much. Yeah, it's also important to note that you know the reporting figures to the government um, are different to the reporting that the bank sees, and it's different to what we see on-chain. So you know, it's really important that you know we're addressing the correct data here, and that the data isn't being skewed in one way or another. And then you know, um, uh, actions aren't taken from our regulators in regards to your know, data that might not be quite accurate. At, at what point? Like, you know, isn't there like that manual override, right? Like for anyone that actually genuinely knows what they're doing, why isn't there that you can call up and go, right, you know, I want that manual override. It's my money. I want to, you know, invest. And then you, and then you lose that insurance because obviously the biggest problem for them is they have to go through and try and refund that money. Mm. But at some point, when does the responsibility actually come to a human being to- One of the exchanges mentioned that, didn't they? In, in- yeah. Yeah. There was some discussion around that, but you know, where I think we're in green fields here, and it's um, a bit of a challenge for everybody. And your know, word on the street is that there was uh, there was supposed to be a roundtable today to discuss some of these challenges um, that we see in the industry. And you know, the panelists the from the banks said that they really wanted to collaborate with industry. And then we hear um, today that the the bankers wouldn't be attending the roundtable to discuss it, mm. um, potentially because they, um, you know, there could be issues with managing the narrative. And another one, um, the Coin Telegraph guys were there. They were great. Honestly, I wanted to give a shout out, not just to Jesse, but the, all the Coin yeah, Telegraph guys. They were awesome last um, night. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesse's, who's actually my mate, he um, was writing about Binance Australia's reaction to 
Zepto stopping them. Mm-hmm. He so said just for everyone's put, um, everyone's information, Zepto is a, a major payment processor here in Australia, mm-hmm. yeah. facilitating payments for for crypto platforms. He said, or oh, the Binance guy that was talking, Ben Rose. Ben Rose, yeah. Yeah, he said that they only got 24 hours notice, 12 hours notice that they were going to be cut off. Mm. Yeah, he mentioned that in his chat yesterday. Yeah, so that's... Mm. It's a bit rude. Big challenge for any business, you know, mm. being able to, having to lose their banking rails um, that quickly. Yeah, that was another interesting part of yesterday. So there were two really interesting chats. One of them was um, a chat just with Ben Rose from Binance, and obviously they're one of the major sponsors. So he got some airtime up there and to explain from his point of view what exactly was going on with Binance. You know, there was <laughs> it's been a really full on few weeks for them. So he got to explain exactly that, Craig, that they felt pretty hard done by. Mm. He also mentioned that there were a lot of exchanges that came out of the woodwork and asked if they were okay, if all the Australian yep. staff here, how you're feeling. But then he mentioned that maybe there were a few people that weren't as positive as they could have been, you know, maybe that was a little bit of a, you know, sideways jab in, in the community. But I wanted to say the other really amazing talk from yesterday was Robbie from Immutable. Yeah, he did an incredible presentation on, you know, yeah. really what Immutable's are an Australian-born project um, here in Sydney. They're trying to build the AWS or the infrastructure for uh, NFT gaming. Um, and it's incredible to hear about their partnership with Polygon, which is a scaling solution on top of Ethereum. Uh, and yeah, they're doing incredible things. Um, they have uh, lots of volume moving through the platform, some great games there as well. And um, he's really setting out the vision of the future of what mm. the future of gaming looks like. And you know, I was I was pretty- Yeah, he spoke really well, got everyone in the room excited, whether you're into gaming or not. I think mm. he walked away from there into gaming. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he was really good. He was exciting. But on that, yeah, everyone was there. Any, anyone that you kind of wanted to speak to in the community, it was good to see um, a lot of folk there. But again, a shout out to the to- Cointelegraph guys because I was like, we're doing the podcast tomorrow. Haven't looked at much of the news and they all sat there together with me and spoke about the news. So shout out to those guys. Um, guys, question for you that attended. Immutable, so that's a cool project. Any other projects that sort of piqued your interest to start looking at besides yeah, there wasn't really a focus on startups it was mainly the industry yeah, focused on more of the the pain points of the the established industry i think maybe on some of the other days they might have more of a focus on the startups so unfortunately we didn't get mm, to hear I about know that there's an open day for queensland on friday so you can all get along to that one because it wasn't for consumers, right? There wasn't a lot of investors that attended. It was more mm. industry bodies. Yeah, all of the different days had different focuses. And I think um, yesterday uh, it was mainly um, for industry participants. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Short list as well. I think they couldn't fit many in there. It was crammed. And it was a great venue too, the ASX building. Can I ask why was in the ASX building after the ASX just recently pulled their blockchain project? Well, no, that wasn't um, the ASX. You know, the, the ASX did pull their blockchain project in regards to their chess base, uh, replacing their chess base clearing system, but they still have a blockchain team and they're still doing other mm. things. Oh, cool. The reason that they pulled that project is because the firm that was running the tech project called Digital Asset, they were massively over budget and they, I think Accenture did a review of the status of that project and they were still under something like 65% done and the budget all already blown out so they they just took a, a, a stance to to cull that project and i would say that they would still want to move in that direction um but you know just maybe the partner wasn't right or the, the budget wasn't right and they wanted to sell event space me and blake nearly went and rang the bell <laughs> Okay, let's move on to some news that happened this time last week, just after BlackRock news was making headlines. We got some more news out of the US. A new player entered the crypto exchange market and they actually entered 
a few weeks ago, but it was very quietly, and they are called EDX Markets. They are a crypto exchange market with a bit of a difference, and they're backed by Citadel Securities, Fidelity Investments, and heavy hitter Charles Swab. So, Craig, can you tell us a little bit more about these guys? Yeah, so the institutional broker narrative is sort of continuing with this one. They're intending to only target institutional investors, but they're not going to be operating as a custodial exchange. They're going to be a fully non-custodial exchange, which means no assets are held on there, and it will serve as a marketplace for firms to negotiate trades and settle independently. So no yeah, no so, middleman. So maybe just to give an example, you know, it'll be a matching engine, um, but they won't take custody assets. So you can put up, you can say, hey, I want to sell my assets. Um, you know, have a hundred Bitcoin or a thousand Bitcoin. Someone else will say, yes, I want to buy it. But then the transfer happens between those other parties or facilitated through an escrow service. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting. It's kind of like quasi DeFi, mm. you know? Um, mm. So yeah, interesting that they're moving in that direction. But of course, they're going to get, uh, I think, lots of adoption. And they're only having the four uh, at the moment. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and BCH. So anyone having BCH doesn't really give them the best rap, I don't think. Well, they're the, they're the four that they're probably confident in not being caught up in securities dramas. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, Ben, yeah. what do you think about this? Well, Fidelity also, I saw there was rumors Fidelity is also looking to uh, acquire Grayscale. Did you guys mm. see that? Mm. I heard about that. So, it's just fascinating that I think, like, you know, the the banks have probably decided, well, you know, we're not going to crush this this Bitcoin thing. It's probably time we start thinking about it. Mm. And I, I just think, I don't know, you can go down the rabbit hole, but a bit of a conspiracy is that, you know, I think the SEC is just going through cleaning up the industry, you know, putting their foot down on, on Coinbase and, and Binance and then probably had the tap on the shoulder from some of the bigger banks who now want to, you know, play um, play ball. Space, yep. and, and that's what we're seeing. So I, I think it's, you know, I think it's po- net positive for the space, but it's just interesting how the way it's all playing out. Mm. It might be worth just bringing some attention to the point that, you know, the technology was really built um, to disintermediate power from Wall Street, um, or it was a response to, you know, the issues in 2008. Um, but now we see, you know, um, Wall Street adopting this technology, using it in their own way. And it's hard to, I think, mediate that idea that, you know, for the technology to be successful, it needs to be adopted by, you know, the, that industry. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting to watch it play out. Mm. Interesting they're going down the non-custodial route. I wonder if that's a more of a regulation piece, whether they just use like five blocks or something like that to custody, custody it. Yeah, or? they probably would. Yep. Mm. So just for everyone's... Um, uh, information fireblocks is uh, a service that you can use where you can api or connect into different exchanges and hold your um, crypto in a secure way and it's um, become the standard for for banks and cryptocurrency exchanges to store their digital assets and they're a fan of the show which we learned last yes, night yes we did learn that last night really yeah, yeah. So firebox guy. shout out to the guys at firebox <laughs> shano if you're listening <laughs> so in an exciting turn of events when we're talking about exchanges blackrock has also uh put their in the ring to take over uh, FTX 2.0. They're not the only ones. Uh, what was it? About 363 people have expressed interest in uh, having a go at FTX 2.0. They include folks like Ripple and the NASDAQ. Uh, and we know that uh, John Ray III is pretty pretty keen to, to um, pass this on and let someone else have a go. So what do we think here? Is this, is this just the changing landscape of FTX? I can't believe that many people are interested. When you told me this, I do cannot believe it. I think, 
Um, we made a joke about it before that the tech's good, maybe not the accounting side of things, but <laughs> um, you know they obviously built a market leading exchange that is for sale. Um, but why would you buy something that brand has been tarnished? But they could rebrand it. You know, there's millions of customers onboarded there. There's infrastructure mm. to to make money. Yeah, if the price is right. Yeah, so for, I know a, a person that works for us. He's a, a trader and was a, a power user. He loved it and. Post FTX, it was really nowhere we really like trading, like the UI and the UX of the trading platform. Yeah, such varying views on that. Mm. I mean, I used it. Yeah. Didn't mind it. Yeah. You raved about it. Didn't rave about it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't use it. I don't trade. I I probably would never use FTX. But like, I think for some people, they really, really loved it. And I think just being able to use that tech and then, you know, rebrand, start up Mm. something new. Yeah, I've heard that. Like, the the users that they had were just so loyal, so used to how it worked. And I think. You know, are they how, how burnt are they? Mm. So it's another plot twist in the movie that will uh, no doubt come this out. This movie's never going to get made because so much <laughs> is going on. So, uh, what's happening with this? Who's favorite to buy them? BlackRock. Well, they just said that they've put their hat in the ring, so it remains to be seen. Yeah, yep. Wow. All right, let's keep moving on. As we talked about earlier, the Bitcoin halving is only 300 days away, but what exactly is the Bitcoin halving and why is it so important and why are we always banging on about it? So let's talk about that, boys. Who wants to put their hand up first to tell us exactly what the halving is before I'll give just go to someone else to why it's important for the price of Bitcoin? So the Bitcoin halving uh, works because Bitcoin is all, all software and code. So, you know, as we know, Bitcoin has only got 21 million Bitcoin that will be ever made. Right now in circulation, there's about 19 million something uh, in circulation. Uh, and each day, each week, there's a certain amount of Bitcoin that comes into production from miners. You know, just like in the physical gold world, people go out with picks and uh, and axes and mine gold. It's very similar in the in the Bitcoin world. It's just done through computers. Now, every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that comes into supply halves, and that's programmed into the blockchain. It'll never change. So, what happens if you think about something that halves every four years? You get a number that decreases to a point where it's never physically gets to zero, but gets so close to zero that you get this really flattening curve of supply. Mm-hmm. So as the Bitcoin halving cycle continues, it's going to take around, I think, another 100 years for Bitcoin to get very, very close to 21 million. So the supply basically shuts off. And what you get around those halving periods is a, is a narrative around decreasing supply and increasing demand. And then you get so people get so getting excited again. And historically, around three to six months either side of the halving, we get increasing price. And when it's mixed with macro conditions that also sort of line up we see on the on-chain data all the time it's so cyclical like it's actually super fascinating how uh, clean and repetitive the four-year cycle plays Mm. out where you get retail Mm -hmm. investors buy when the market skyrockets you get uh, the whales and the guys that have been sort of accumulating guys and gals accumulating for a little while sell Mm -hmm. Um, market crashes retail sell whales buy and it just happens over and over and over and over yeah yeah okay that was awesome. Very, very well explained. Blake, do you want to give us an idea of why what happens to the price during the halving? Yeah, we've seen different things at different points in time. In different cycles, there's been different macro macro effects on, on what happens to the price, but generally we see a substantial increase. Um, you know, previous data doesn't necessarily project, you know, future future results. Um, <laughs> so we can only hope that this happens again. <laughs> we can cross our fingers. <laughs> yeah. But, yep. you know, it has been cyclical in nature. And um, probably another point to add on there that these 
cycles also are used to fund innovation um, for the preceding cycle. So an example here is that, you know, in the 2017, 2018 cycle, there were lots of projects that were raising for gaming companies. And there were lots of people making money from Bitcoin at that point in time, and they had surplus capital to then invest into the next wave of innovation. Uh, and then, of course, once these projects raise their tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, it takes them three or four years to develop products and take them to market. And this Good innovation point. cycle seems to also align with the Bitcoin supply and demand cycle. Um, that keeps self-perpetuating the, the, the cycles. So, mm. yeah, I think as we come into 2024, we're going to see many of these gaming companies and metaverse companies that promise the world. Um, you know, many of them will fail, but some of them will scale and they will bring on tens of millions or hundreds of millions of users, creating new value in the ecosystem. More people will make more money potentially mm. and then invest into the next wave of innovation that comes through in the ecosystem. So mm. um, it's exciting to watch, uh, you know, and see, who's going to be a winner. No, you made some really good points there. And going back to what you mentioned, Ben, too, about the macro cycle that kind of plays into that. And I think, you know, sometimes we've had have headwinds, but what's happened with BlackRock and this little bit of excitement we've got with this ETF that, if approved, should fall somewhere around February, which plays in really well to that narrative of that little pump leading into what will likely be the 26th of April. You know, we're setting up for a perfect storm here. 100%. And Bitcoin dominance uh, in terms of the market cap. What are we at, 54 at the yeah, moment? Yeah, ticked over 50, 50% for the first time in about two years. So I think yeah. like a lot of people are looking at um, Bitcoin as that really, you know, safe haven. Do you want to explain the Bitcoin dominance there? Yeah, good Yeah, point. so in the total market cap right now, I think what we're sitting about a trillion dollars, maybe US. For crypto, yeah. crypto. Uh, and if you break that down, you can understand, you know, which uh, segments of the market cap is broken up by which assets. Bitcoin is currently at around 54% of the total market, of the total market okay. crypto. So you're sitting at about half a trillion dollars in, in Bitcoin. Um, and then if you sort of, but it, it's interesting, once you take away the other sectors as well, so 15% Ethereum roughly, um, 15% are in stable coins, which is about an all-time high. So you're sitting at about only 25% of the entire market cap is sitting in altcoins right now. So there's a few uh, underrated sort of areas that we think, and we're going to, of course, a little bit here, but the fact is that like Bitcoin dominance is quite high. And I think that's why, um, you know, we're starting to see things really line up for that halving next year. And we see this every cycle, you know, we see the Bitcoin dominance decrease um, in a bull run yep. um, because we see all these younger projects capturing value. Um, some of them may win, some may fail, but then in a bear market, dominance um, by Bitcoin increases and it moves up. It, we expect it to move up to like the 60% mark of the total market cap. Yep. Um, and, you know, and the reason that people, this happens, or one of the reasons that this happens is that um, people see Bitcoin as a bit of a safe haven and less volatile than the smaller market cap tokens. It's um that rotation graph that we'll put in the show notes, Bitcoin, then Ethereum will go, the other and alts. then the big alts, mm. and then, then we get trickle down, down to, economics. Trickle down yeah. economics. <laughs> then we get down to Board 8 Yacht Club <laughs> for 100 days. So it gets crazy, guys. Yeah. Well, look, do you want to do a little tiny bit of a roundtable on where we think the Xs will end up? Me and Blake were walking off to lunch today talking about where we think the price could end up for Bitcoin mm. in this next bull run, you know, and we've got history to look back at to see what, you know, the percentage gains are here. Should yeah. we put some money on this? And we, uh, <laughs> it depends who ends up with any money at the end of it. Um, where do we think the, the multipliers could be? Where do we think Bitcoin could be sitting at um, at the end of the next cycle at the peak? In this next cycle? Well, if we think where Bitcoin's sitting at now, half a trillion, 
you know, BlackRock comes in, nine trillion assets under management. Gold's twelve trillion. Gold's twelve talk trillion. About the, they're going to these asset managers are going to talk to their old boys and say, put a couple of percent in of your net put a couple wealth. Of percent in. You know, yeah. And I was actually in a call with those sort of people, and they said the Bitcoin market cap is still small. And I was mm. like, well, that, what? what? Yeah. Like, it is small compared to other asset classes. It's mm. small. It's also very illiquid. Mm. So, like, just because Bitcoin is trading that price doesn't mean just everyone can go buy it at that price. Like, mm. if you get a, a big, big chunk of cash. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we don't let's say definitely, but I, I think it's somewhere. 150 US, okay, I reckon. Per Bitcoin. 150, Bitcoin. okay, all right, that's low. I think I'm going to include ETH as well okay. due to my underwater <laughs> investment. <laughs> I think so, I can, I think I think psychologically 10K ETH, 100K Bitcoin that everyone is calling for, mm. which realistically I think will get 9K and 99 of Bitcoin. Okay, as <laughs> a top. For, as a top. Wow. Just like 2017, okay. we got 19,999, didn't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something okay. like that. Someone okay. bought above 20. Someone <laughs> bought above 20, not many, but yeah. Wow, okay. So that's my prediction. What do you guys think? I look at it a little bit differently. I look at, you know, the, the previous cycles and the last cycle, I think from the bottom, Bitcoin did about 20 times its value um, from bottom to top. And, you know, there's definitely a law of diminishing returns over time um, as the market kept gets bigger, these multiples have become harder and harder to achieve. You know, if we get a 10 times from the bottom of the last uh, of this bear market um, for a brief period of time, I think that that could happen. But of course, I wouldn't be... uh wouldn't be banking on okay, it. There you go. You heard it from. So you just give us a roundabout. Yeah, 160 k prediction. Professor Cassidy. Fence sitting there, Blake. It's about 160. Is what you're saying? About that. Yeah. Okay. USD per. Bitcoin. This is not financial advice, by the way, guys. We're literally randoms on a potty, just yeah, yeah, shooting yeah, it. Yeah. What do you think, Trace? Oh, I would have said closer, closer to to that. So possibly. I'm the bear in the room. For you're once. the bear. I was going to say. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking even closer up to the 200 mark at its peak. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking around no more than 10 for for Ethereum. Yeah, maybe 15. <laughs> there you go. You've heard it here. Remember this this episode. I think we'll take a break there and when we come back, our short, sharp news bites. But before we do, a couple of shout out to our podcast listeners who are also part of our Facebook community. I want to say hi to Rosemary H and Andrew G. You know who you are. Thanks for listening and being part of our team. We'll be back in a minute. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. You're listening to the Crypto Curious Podcast. We're all in the room together. It's very exciting. Ben Simpson's with us and we're on with our short, sharp news bites. Blake, you're up first. 
Yeah, first up, we have a leveraged Bitcoin ETF um, that's going to start trading in the US today. The first leveraged crypto ETF in the US um, is going to be a 2x leverage of the futures. Um, so that means that if you, um, you know, put um, 30,000 US dollars in uh, to these futures, then you'll be long on Bitcoin for 60,000 US dollars. Uh, now, these are popular instruments used um, in, you know, for traditional markets. Uh, and of course, they're going to um, flow into crypto as well. And we're going to see more of this uh, as as the market matures. And I'm sure we'll see uh, the move across to Ethereum and others in due course. So pretty interesting. This is going to be an attractive product for many people, particularly in a bull market. People are going to want to go long and leverage long and use uh, their traditional rails. So mm. yeah, definitely uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, it is an interesting one. So the International Monetary Fund or the IMF have long been critical of cryptocurrency, but they have somewhat changed their tune. The IMF is now suggesting that banning crypto assets may not be as effective as they thought long term and maybe a risky strategy for some countries. Instead, the IMF recommends focusing on addressing the factors that are driving crypto demand, enhancing transparency and recording crypto transactions in national statistics. Uh, the institution believes that currencies should mitigate risks while leveraging the potential benefits of the technology um, and looking at different crypto assets. So, yeah, this is a bit of a backflip from the IMF who uh, were previously considering banning crypto outright. I think it might be just worth pointing out that you're going to have different factions within these organisations. You're going to have those people that really love the technology and want to see it adopted. You're also going to have pressures from the outside that may not want to see it adopted. So it makes sense that you know we're hearing mixed messages from some of these institutions. Except the IMF are all completely against it. A small global bank, JP Morgan... They've gone live with their first blockchain transaction for its corporate clients in Europe using its own token, JPM coin. So they've been mm. using that for around four years and they've settled around $300 billion in payments. So they've just activated the euro payment. JPM coin. Mm. Very creative. You're buying. Good marketing team, that one. Huh? You're lo logging. <laughs> I'm short. And the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell spoke late last week and said some interesting things about crypto. He referred to payment stablecoins as a form of money during a House Financial Services Committee meeting, supporting a significant federal role in the regulation. Powell also said that cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, have staying power as an asset class. Yeah. Also a bit of a backflip, I think. There. Very yeah, that also, uh, that also sent a little bit of uh, pump into the markets after that little speech from Get Powell. the printer on, Jerome. Mm, it's up late. Ethereum core developers are considering raising the maximum validator balance from 30 to Ethereum, which you need in order for the minimum amount to stake, to 2,000 Ethereum per validator. Um, this seems like a pretty big jump to me. Not many people have 2,000 Ethereum. What's that end up equaling in dollar terms? Uh, 500k? No, it's more than that. Is it like 5, five mil. mil? 5 mil. 5 yeah. mil. Yeah. Let me just go um, grab my checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this is really interesting because with the advent of these tools in order to do pooled staking, I'm not sure if it's really going to make very much of a difference. Um, you know, most people um, or lots of people are using, you know, oh, things yeah, like, like Rocket, Rocket Pool. Pool. Mm. Um, so increasing this doesn't, I don't think is going to really move the needle. It's interesting so, you've said that, yeah. Mm, so it'd be really, I, I don't know what the motivation here is. And of course, anyone can put up a proposal on the, um, to, uh, to you know, contribute to Ethereum. And if it gets voted by validators or by holders, um, then you know it will get prioritized by the Ethereum core team. So yeah, um, probably more more to learn about this one. I'd say mm, interesting.
Do you think it impacts the decentralization aspect of ETH if it goes to? I mean, you're kind of saying, well, it probably won't because of the same amount liquid happen, staking, anyway. but. Hmm, yeah, you know, the assumption would be that the more validators, the better for security. Um, but uh, there must be some other attributes to, you know, there being benefits around your stake in 2000 Ether. And, and is this just some, like, just like, is this a group of the core developers have actually put this forward? Or is it like one guy in his basement has just gone It's gone a group. Hey. Okay, interesting. It doesn't mean it's going to get. It doesn't mean it's going to get through. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. What's up next? So, Spanish football club FC Barcelona is teaming up with NFT collection World of Women to release its second digital collectible in a ten-piece masterpiece collection. This one's entitled Empowerment, and the digital artwork celebrates the women's club captain Alexa Putelas. Is that how you say it? It's a really cool piece of artwork. The NFT will be auctioned over two days. It's happening right now on Open Seas, and it also offers some physical benefits and include a meetup with this woman as well as signed pair of her boots. Uh, physical seat at the Barcelona Stadium as well as some other goodies. So good to see World of Women still pushing hard to give some utility to their NFT collection. Teaming up with Barcelona is pretty awesome, so well done. Just on World of Women, that's one of many projects that have been smashed, but as Blake mentioned before, the Rays in the bull market probably have a lot of runway and they're still doing some mm. pretty cool stuff. So yeah. Still some bargains, Trace. Yes, yeah, I believe some... you do have a lot of women. I do, yeah. Absolutely. I'll be holding on that one forever because I've lost too much money on it. <laughs> Speaking of, Pudgy Penguins. Uh, they yes. are the goats of my favourite. And NFT. these guys are doing still doing really well. Like yeah, they're still going they, They've up. not lost a lot before. <clears throat> they haven't lost and then, a lot. Yeah. yeah so um, we've covered this before, how they've made physical pudgies. Mm. Um, they're now incentivizing brand ambassadors. So they're offering compensation and soulbound tokens for owners who make and share their unboxing videos of their pudgy. Um, the chief pudgy, Luca, even shared off his unboxing chops with his reveal of his cowboy penguin. My kids found this. This is, this no is actually madness really? how far this has gone. These pudgy penguins are – It's I'm very, very impressed at what they've done. Very impressed with the marketing chops in this pudgy They're penguin They're leading the team. way for sure. Well done there. And that's it for our Short Sharp News Bites, everybody, and the program today. Thanks for staying with us. We're going to put a whole bunch of things in the show notes that we've mentioned today. Thank you, Ben, for being with us again for the second time this year. No doubt we'll hear from him again. Anything else you've got going on that you want to mention, Benno? There's always something happening. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I do think complete change of direction here, but uh, I was doing some research this week around um, I think the DeFi space right now is undervalued. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big DeFi fan. The market cap of DeFi is actually only half a percent higher than meme coins. Wow, enough. what and a they've stat. They've all been pumped. Uh, Aave, I think it's Aave. Pumped uh, 30% yesterday. Yeah, so they came out with their V4. It's coming out soon or might already be out. Um, and there's a couple other nice little DeFi plays that looking at the moment. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a little few sort of sectors that I think have just been you know down a lot. Yeah, I could probably talk to that as well. You know, it was really interesting observation at Blockchain Week yesterday that DeFi was really um, underrepresented in the in the discourse of the the evening and of the whole day, really. And I think that's primarily because of two key reasons. Firstly, the nature of DeFi projects having decentralized teams and maybe not being able to attend in person, but also because they sit um, within a gray area of regulation, and therefore, you know, they're not. It's not included. uh, The importance of DeFi isn't included in 
the general discourse, and therefore it's underrepresented in lobbying. Um, it's underrepresented in position papers from our industry bodies, uh, and it's overall underrepresented in conversations that we have with our politicians and our business leaders and and others that you know call the shots. Um, so I think that there's an opportunity here as well um, to you know maybe correct that somehow. Um, but I think there's more thoughts to be had, and if anyone um, that's listening has some any has some ideas on how to do that, um, yeah, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, and Blake is actually off tonight to speak at an Oz DeFi event here in Sydney, and they've got a really strong contingent here in Sydney, and there's chapters all over Australia, actually, for that matter. And I'm going to put in the show notes a great article written by Jesse from Coin Telegraph around that um, organisation and just the buzz in Sydney around crypto and decentralisation. So it's a nice point to finish off. Thanks for bringing that up, Ben, and your follow-up comments, Blake. I think that really rounds out the episode well. So thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for being in person today, everybody. It was cool. And everyone joining us, we'll be back again next week with all the news in crypto. Make sure that you follow along and hit the subscribe button. Join us in the Facebook community and also hit us up at podcast at getbamboo.io if you want to communicate with us via email. Thanks, everybody, and see you next week. Bye for now. See you, guys. Thank you. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.